This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Ty Butler going until 5 o'clock. Hit us up on the phone lines, 800-919-3776. And on Twitter, Ty D. Butler, Instagram as well. Folks are mad at me for uh, what I just said in the previous hour about what I would give up if I meant the Jets would land Aaron Rodgers. It's something I stumbled upon because I think we always do this. What would you give up for X? What would you give up for Y? And it's money. It's a body part. I said, you know what? If if the Jets landed Aaron Rodgers and it meant that I had to punt on the Yankees making the playoffs next year, I'd sign up for it. Now it's devastating because what thirteen years now or fourteen years now removed from their last World Series appearance and title. I'm not used to seeing the Yankees miss the playoffs. Last time it happened was 2016, and that's when, at the deadline, they traded all of their best players away because they saw that their team wasn't good enough to contend. So it it, it would be tough to swallow, especially because, as the caller pointed out, Lewis, it's a long, arduous season. So to finally get to the finish line and you're not even qualifying for the dance in October... Yeah, it's tough to deal with, but I also feel like as a Jet fan, going 12 straight seasons without a postseason appearance is unfathomable. It's the longest drought in the NFL right now. At some point, that has to end. I've never seen my team really have a franchise quarterback. Haven't seen my team compete in the Super Bowl, and you haven't unless you're in your 50s. And you have to really be in your 60s to remember it. So would I trade the Yankees making the playoffs if it meant that Aaron, I get a healthy Aaron Rodgers for 17 games next year, which means the Jets are maybe winning the division, maybe competing with the Chiefs and the Bengals for the AFC throne? Of course I'd take that. Absolutely. Chris in Manhattan's not pleased with me right now, so let's talk to him. What's up, Chris? Hey what's, hey, what's going on, Ty? How you feeling? I'm I'm feeling pretty good, man, but I, I got a feeling that you're not happy with me, so lay it on me. Nah, uh, no, I mean, I, I mean, I guess, I guess for the purposes of the question, does it have to be something else other than what you actually have to give up? Yeah, well, well that, that, I, I, okay. I'm relating it to me personally because okay. uh, not a, a lot I of mean, people— Go ahead. I'm just like, you don't really have to rob Peter to pay Paul. I mean, as I said to your producer, I mean, for me, you know, just listening, all you got to do is um, make a nice, shrewd deal, you know, and then deal with the domino effect. I mean, if we really, really talking it, you know, it's like, you know, what's the trade, you know, the trade compensation? How is that going to affect your cap and your draft? What is it going to do? You know, with uh, possibly, uh, say, the contracts of Carl Lawson, JSM, Corey Davis. Well, Corey, um, well, Chris, that... Chris, I, I know you're a diehard Jet fan. I'm, I, I think we kind of see the writing on the wall that Lawson and Davis are are probably going to be cap casualties. Okay, um, you know, so you so you add, you know, you you add that money up in terms of cap, but you know, then you were talking about, you know, the things that you know, uh, Quincy Williams. Quan Alexander, um, you know, I know you are, you know, discussing, you know, once you have the quarterback situation set, right, you know, you're probably looking at, obviously, offensive line, uh, safety, 
linebacker and possibly uh, interior uh, defensive line. Mm-hmm. Would you not say? Yeah. All right. Yeah, so the one thing about that is is that's why you're looking really at a shrewd deal. You, you, don't, you don't have to involve the Yankees in this, my brother. You're smart enough to, <laughs> to try. No, I'm you, just having some fun. I'm just having some fun. No, I know, know. I know. I know. But at some point, we're going to really have to get to the nuts and bolts of it, you know. And, I, and, and you know, one of the first things is the draft, the draft, the compensation. And, you know, what, what is it going to cost you? Because how is it possibly going to affect? Because for me, you, man, man, okay, you can ask multiple ones. That doesn't mean I'm necessarily going to give you, give you, especially this year's number one, because I'd like that to go to the offensive line. Now, if you're talking about future, say, this year's two, and possibly a conditional pick that could work up to a number one next year, okay. I know it's going to hurt a little bit. Hmm. Listen. But I don't know. I, I mean – Listen, if it, it's going to cost it's going to cost multiple first round picks. We know that. It's going to cost multiple first round picks and if that's what it takes to get Rodgers, then that's what it takes. It's it's incumbent upon the GM who we're trusting to continue to put this team together to find some gems, second, third round, which he's been able to do, right? Like second, third round, fourth round picks that can come in here and be impacts. Impactful. Well, I must say one thing and it may not be popular right now, okay? But again, you know, this is New York, you know, and as the famous band once said, you can't always get what you want. But if you try sometimes, you just might find you get what you need. Do yourself a favor. You will not be desperate if you have a Derek Carr plan. Oh, my God. I'm just, Listen, if that's nah, the alternative, say, yeah, yeah, but pie, if but that's pie. the alternative, you know I'm down. It? Hang on, hang on, Chris. Nah. Hey, hey, Chris, if that's like, the alternative, then sure, I'll sign up for it. Like, if Rodgers ends up getting traded to Miami or the Raiders it, and and we end up with Derek Carr, then sure. My number one priority is getting Aaron Rodgers. No, no, I understand that. I would just say, I would just say if I was counseling you, like you were walking into Woody Johnson's office and you just missed on Aaron Rodgers. Now you're standing in front of him. You gotta have a plan, right? Of course. There we go. So you know, you know, you know what your second plan probably is, your third quarterback plan. But you have them just in case. This way, you won't be caught with your pants down. I agree with that. Appreciate the call, Chris. My man, take care. All right. You too, man. Just an update on the NFC Championship game. So Josh Johnson still in for the Niners. Doesn't matter because they've got Christian McCaffrey, and he escapes for a 23-yard touchdown run to tie this game. Got initially hit by a couple of uh, defensive backs for the Eagles, was able to break the tackle. He gets into the end zone. Looks like Brock Purdy has a wrap on his elbow, has been seen warming up on the sideline. But uh, we've got a 7-7 game, about eight minutes left in the first half and if you're the Eagles this is a missed opportunity because when Brock Purdy has that fumble and then subsequently goes out of the game here's your chance to put some distance between you and the Niners and since that opening drive they have not been able to capitalize offensively this this potent offense has been shut down by the Niner defense and now it's 7-7 when it feels like this game shouldn't be 
And if you're Philly right now, this this becomes like a a, a must score draw. Not must score. It sounds a little dramatic, but the momentum is starting to swing because with the with San Francisco with its fourth string quarterback somehow is still tied in this game, and it goes back to D'Amico Ryan's and, and tr- the tremendous job he continues to do with this defense. And I mentioned at the top of the show, Schefter's reporting he's now considered the favorite to land that head coaching job down with the Texans. And, and you know, he just continues to add to that candidacy with, with, with you know what he's been able to do all season long and now in the playoffs. So big third down for the Eagles, chance to move the chains. Jalen Hurts escapes, and it looks like he's going to be stopped short of the first down. That that Eagles offense right now is just swimming in mud. Can't can't find a way to get anything going on that side of the ball, and that Niners defense is just cooking. So I'll continue to keep you posted on this game. 800-919-3776. Looks like uh, Nick Sirianni is leaving his offense out on the field. Are they going to go for this? It's fourth and one. In their own territory, from the 35-yard line, 34-yard line, and they do go for it, and they convert. Wow, what a decision by Sirianni. And I know the Eagles are one of the most aggressive teams this year in football on fourth down. But on your own 34-yard line, after the Niners just scored a touchdown to go for it, that is gutsy. That is gutsy. But they converted. They converted. When we come when we come back, got to get into some basketball talk. Cause something happened at the Barclays Center last night that if you're a Knicks fan, ugh, left your stomach twisting and turning. So we'll get to that coming up. 45 minutes left here on the program. Ty Butler going until 5 o'clock right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. ESPN. So Josh Johnson fumbled on that ensuing Niners drive, fumbled the snap. Eagles recover. They score another rushing touchdown. This one courtesy of Boston Scott. So they've got three rushing touchdowns, two to Miles Sanders and one uh, off the hands or legs, I should say, of uh, of Boston Scott. So they're now up 21-7, to and this is starting to feel like it's over just because not that the Niners aren't capable of, putting up big offensive numbers. But when you're on your fourth string quarterback and you already have that as a as a deficit as far as the quarterback position is concerned, it's tough to imagine against a really good Eagles team on the road that you're going to be able to come back. But still a lot of football left to play. A whole second half and the Niners will get the the ball to start, but Brock Purdy uh, I, I mean, we don't have any. Did, did we get any word, Harvey, on whether or not he's going to return to this game? Last I saw, he was questionable with an elbow injury. He's warmed up on the sidelines, but Josh Johnson uh, continues to be in the game. Doesn't look like it. I mean, he's had that rap for like a long time now. So, apparently, it's an elbow injury. I'm guessing it's pretty serious since he's been out that long. But here's a question for you What's that? If something happens to Josh Johnson, who's the emergency backup QB? <sighs> It's gonna have to be a pos- uh, another position player, right? Like <laughs> Christian McCaffrey. Just put him in the shotgun, my friend. Put him in the pistol. Hey, run that ball, run that pitskin. I don't know. Well, hopefully it doesn't come to that. <laughs> hopefully it doesn't come to that for them. Uh, but right now they are 
driving, 10 seconds left in the first half. Josh Johnson heaves it up and throws it to the sideline. So it'll be a 14-point deficit for the Niners. And it, it, this is going to be the toughest task they face all season. Uh, their season's on the line uh, in the NFC Championship game against a dominant Eagles team that offensively, I, as I said, offensively they were struggling, but then they marched down the field for a touchdown and then converted on that turnover. So it's getting dicey in the NFC Championship game. And then tonight you got Mahomes versus Joe Burrow. And look, it, it's going to be the coronation of of the quarterback, the best quarterback in the AFC, right? Because if, if Joe Burrow wins this game, we're going to be talking all tomorrow, all across every network and every platform about how he's overtaken Patrick Mahomes as the best quarterback in football because that would be four straight wins over Mahomes, including two to get to the Super Bowl. And now he's got a chance to get a Super Bowl title and Super Bowl MVP, which would tie Mahomes. So if, if he has that on his resume, then yes, we would rightfully be talking about him as the best quarterback, not just in the AFC, but in all of football. Meanwhile, for Mahomes, he's hosting his fifth straight AFC championship game. And if things go the right way for him and his team, can become the seventh player in NFL history to win the regular season MVP, which he's going to win next Thursday and the Super Bowl MVP. And doing that in the same season and joins an elite list, Bart Starr, Terry Bradshaw, Joe Montana, Emmett Smith, Steve Young, and then the last to do it was Kurt Warner. So that is elite company to be in if you are Mahomes. And then on his resume through five years, two championships, two Super Bowl MVPs, two regular season MVPs, and then one of the best statistical starts to a career we've seen in NFL history. So the conversation, you know, starts to become, are, are we watching a legend in the making? Well, I, we've already started that. But now you add championships to the mix. And yes, this this is becoming something that is legendary for, for Patrick Mahomes. So I'm excited to watch this game tonight because the storylines are going to be fascinating. They're going to be juicy. Uh, they're overreactionary because that's what we do. But I think a lot of it is going to come down to Mahomes playing well. Mahomes, I I think if Joe Burrow Burrow can survive not playing a great game and the Bengals, I think the Bengals are a better team. Like if Burrow goes out there and he throws for 250, two touchdowns, no interceptions, you wouldn't say that's a great game. That's a really good game. But for Joe Burrow, I I wouldn't qualify or classify that as, as a great game. He goes out there, throws for 250, two touchdowns, I think they, they can win that game. I think Mahomes has to be excellent in order for the Chiefs to win. And it's not that the Chiefs stink. Obviously, they don't. And I, I think these two teams are neck and neck. I just feel like Cincinnati's better. They've got a lot more weapons offensively. A lot of different ways to beat you offensively. And they're dealing with some offensive line issues so the Chiefs' pass rush can take advantage of it. And that can ultimately neutralize the advantage they have with their offensive weapons, I just think the Bengals are better. I just think the Bengals are better. 800-919-3776. Who are you picking to win this game tonight? Want to hear from you. Ty D. Butler on Twitter and Instagram. We wrap up the show. Coming up next, right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show. 
on 98.7 ESPN. Dimed by that Niners defense, but they're now being helped because of penalties uh, keeping this drive alive. And as I say that, the Eagles pick up a full start. So to be first and 15 near about the 40-ish yard line for the Eagles as they try to get back on track. Four minutes and change left in the first half in Philadelphia. 7-7 game. Uh, I thought there would be more scoring, but both defenses have been playing really well. And Brock Purdy out. Josh Johnson in the game, still waiting to see if Purdy can get back as, as he suffered a, an elbow injury and it was listed as questionable to return. I, I got to go back to what we saw yesterday at the Barclays Center because I, I'm confused. Someone has to explain to me how the Knicks are owned by a team that their fan base continues to tell me no one cares about. Because that's all we hear, right? Nobody cares about the Nets. Nobody cares about the Nets. So why do they own you? Maybe you should start caring about them. How is it possible for the Nets to have won nine straight games against this Knicks team? A Nets team that, by the way, during this streak, have sometimes had KD out of the lineup, Kyrie out of the lineup, and both of them out of the lineup. And this nine-game winning streak against the Knicks, their best mark against any team in the NBA. They completely own them. And last night, Kyrie Irving was the story because he scored 21 of his 32 in that fourth quarter to go along with nine assists and, nine assists and six rebounds. And in a game where it's about star power, he was really the biggest star. He was the biggest star. Hit big shot after big shot, none bigger than that three. He hit with 119 left, a deep three. Uh, to give them a seven-point lead that had whittled down all the way down to four. So uh, the Knicks just keep losing to this Nets team. They, they just keep losing to the Nets. Can't find a way to beat them. And uh, I, before the game, I tweeted, I, I think I'm going to come on this show tomorrow and talk about how the Knicks roll the Nets. And it's funny because every time you're ready – to, to reach your heights of confidence in the Knicks and, you know, maybe they can make some noise. Maybe they can be a team that can challenge one of the upper echelon teams in the Eastern Conference. Right when you're ready to do that, they put up a stinker like they did last night. So let's just rewind real quick. You go back to the game against the Cavs this past week. What was that, Tuesday night they played the Cavs? Where you know, it's a, a highly competitive game. And against a better Cleveland team, they were able to come away with the victory. And a large part of it was because they hit some timely shots and they kept Donovan Mitchell from scoring against them. Defensively, they played really well. Sims had, you know, a nice vertical play. Knicks went went toe-to-toe with one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference in the, in the Cavs, won that game, and then you're thinking, no shot they go to Boston and, and beat the Celtics. And then they do just that. They beat... Probably the best team in the NBA at that point. The Celtics have been, they had lost, what, two games in a row. But prior to that, had been rolling. Really good team at home. They get out to, what was it, a 25-10 to 10 lead before the Knicks called a timeout. Then the Knicks found a way to get right back into the game. Actually led by 12 with just under five minutes left to go uh, in regulation. Blew that lead. Trailed by five in overtime, but Julius Randle, big three-pointer. R.J. Barrett, big three-pointer. Good defensive sequences. And then Randle and R.J. in successive trips hit clutch free throws. Then 
they were aided by Jalen Brown missing two free throws with a chance to give the Celtics the lead with about six seconds left to go in the game. But the Knicks, hard-fought effort, a game that you thought once they blew the lead, it was they, they were drawing dead. There was no chance that Jason Tatum wasn't going to hit that shot at the end of regulation. He missed it. And then once they go to overtime, you feel like it favors the better team at home. They've got all the momentum. Celtics went up by five, and the Knicks just came fighting back and won the game. So you're now coming off probably your most impressive stretch of the season, beating both the Cavs and, and the Celtics back-to-back games, going to TD Garden to win that one. And you're thinking, all right, the Nets team, no Simmons, no KD. We got this one. Nets, since KD has gone down, 2-6. and six. Kyrie's been awesome, but that's been pretty much it. I, I guess you got to give you know credit to Claxton and Curry, who have also stepped it up. But that's a, a game that you expect the Knicks to win. They come into that one, losers of eight straight. You feel like, all right, if we're ever going to be the, beat the Nets, this is the game to do it. And they led one nothing. never had a lead after that. Nets led by as many as 19 in the game, and they went on to win it for their ninth straight time against this Knicks team. So that's just a stinker. At some point, if we're going to create this rivalry narrative, the Knicks got to start beating them. And it will also be nice to see them both be really good at the same time and square off in the playoffs. Which, by the way, I guess there's a chance we could see it this year because the Nets right now are fourth in the Eastern Conference. The Knicks are seventh. So both teams are just two games back of being in the spots that we would need them to be. The Nets being the three seed, the Knicks being the six seed. So there's still an outside shot at us getting them to play in the in the postseason this year, but uh, you, you gotta beat this team. <laughs> Some point you gotta beat them. And you, your your fan base keeps saying nobody cares about them. Nobody care. start caring about them because maybe that'll help you beat them finally. Because they keep embarrassing you. They keep embarrassing you. So that's just a a bad loss for the Knicks. You want to feel great about what happened against the Cavs and Celtics, and not that it completely erases that, but bad loss against a Nets team that was without their. I was gonna call. I was gonna say their second and third best players, but you know the way Simmons is playing, that was without their best player in Durant and and Simmons, who started the season as their third best player, not their third best player now. You know, Claxton and Curry have both been better. But you, you're supposed to win that game. And now, here's what you have coming up. You got a Lakers team on Tuesday night, which, by the way, I'll be at that game watching my boys uh, in purple and gold. Lakers team that comes in red hot because they should have beaten the Celtics if not for poor officiating. Then you've got the Heat, who are ahead of you in the standings. The Clippers, who are a contender uh, in the Western Conference. I, I guess we got to wait to see if Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are going to care enough to play in that game. Load management continues to be an issue in the NBA. Uh, so you got the Clippers there. Then you, then the very next day, uh, you host the, the Sixers. So Lakers, Heat, Clippers, Sixers is a tough stretch. Four straight games. And so, you know, not to be too premature, but quickly after beating the Celtics and Cavs uh, and, and feeling the highest of highs, this could turn into a, a five-game losing streak. I don't predict that that's going to happen but if you don't show up, you could you could really be looking at a five-game losing streak. So shape up. Shape up. Danny in the Bronx wants to talk. What's up, Danny? 
What's going on, Ty? How you doing today? Yeah, I'm chilling, man. How you doing? Oh, you know, I'm feeling good. Big Nets fan. We got that big W. That was a big win that for y'all. Right? But y'all were two Woo! and six. Two and six without KD. And, you know, that's a big win. That's a big win. Yes, sir. Shout out to the company. There was a lot of company members that are Nick fans. So there'd be no disrespect coming out of, out of my mouth towards them. But, yeah, we got in there. We got in there. The Nets. We own New York City right now, Todd. This is our city right now. We got this. Not in a row, baby. Finally. <laughs> so is this, Finally. So, so it's a Nets town now? It's a Nets town is what I'm hearing? Nah, let's not get crazy. But, you know, it's, it's good to say every once in a while. <laughs> Yo, I appreciate the call, Danny. You should be feeling yeah, good. Yes, sir. Respect. respect. You should be feeling I, good. I mean, listen, for Brooklyn, that's a big win. Because once KD got hurt in that game against the Heat that they went on to win, remember the commentary surrounding this Nets team was, well, remember last year how awful they were without Durant? This year they're better suited to play without him because you've got Jacques Vaughn, who's done an excellent job as the head coach. By the way, quick score update. Emmanuel Sanders has his second touchdown for the Eagles, so they go out 14-7. to Niners will get the ball. Uh, with what about a minute and a half left in this first half, so the Nets were were better prepared to deal with adversity. Uh, maybe Harvey can pull this up. What was the Nets' record last? I, I want to say it was like three and fourteen without Durant last year. Maybe Harvey uh, can pull it up. But they were awful, and we heard, you know, they're they're better suited to to deal with him this year because Kyrie Irving's not a part time player. He's there. Ben Simmons healthy. Claxton might be the. Uh, come, uh, you might Claxton might be the uh, defensive player of the year. He, Nets last year without Durant were eight and nineteen, eleven games under five hundred. Remember, they went from the one seed to a play-in, so that that destroyed their season. And they this year they were supposed to be better suited to to be without him. So they win that game against the Heat, and then they respond. With four straight losses. You lose to the Celtics, they're the better team. But losing at home to the Thunder in San Antonio to the Spurs, two of the worst teams in basketball. Then you go to Phoenix and you're like, oh, it's the Suns. No, that's when the Suns were were, were hurt. No Chris Paul. No Devin Booker. Uh, Cam Johnson had actually made his return that night and hit a couple threes. So you lose that game. Four-game losing streak. And then the two wins you have on 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 the slate without KD, you needed a forty eight piece from Kyrie to beat Utah, and then you were down ten with a little under five minutes left to go in San Francisco against the Warriors, and they never lose at home. So you found a way to win that game, but then you lost to the Sixers, lost to the Pistons, <laughs> and you were you're two and six coming into that game yesterday. So things were falling apart, but Kyrie Irving. 32 points, just a masterpiece last night at the Barclays Center, helping the Nets get that victory. So now you go from feeling really down on yourself after the Pistons game to, okay, we're, we're, we're still hanging in there. Three and six, still the four seed. The Nets right, right now upcoming for them. Got the Lakers tomorrow. Got the Celtics again on Wednesday. Celtics have been struggling. They should have lost that game last night. And if they lose, that, that's a four-game losing streak for them. But you got the Celtics on Wednesday. Then you've got Washington Saturday before you welcome the Clippers in here next Monday. So the Clippers are going to be on the East Coast. They'll play the Nets next Saturday, and then the the Net. Uh, I'm sorry, the Knicks next Saturday, and then the Nets uh, on Monday. So uh, some tough games coming up for Brooklyn, but that's a good win against the Knicks last night at home. 
And again, after after trailing one nothing, they led the entirety of that game, even going up by as many as nineteen in that third quarter. Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Two more segments to play with. We'll go back to the football. Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. Please make it happen. And in your name, we pray Jesus Christ on this Sunday. We've got Mahomes and Burrow tonight in the AFC Championship game. So we'll talk about who has more to gain the rest of the way, the final, call it three weeks of the NFL season. And it will continue to keep you posted on what's happening between the Eagles and the Niners. Philly right now with a 14-7 lead. Josh Johnson remains in the game. Brock Purdy on the sidelines with his team trailing uh, by a touchdown. And, and by the way, just got this uh, uh, from Adrian Wojnarowski. LeBron James and Anthony Davis are out tomorrow for the Lakers uh, in that game against Brooklyn. Anthony Davis is uh, dealing with right foot stress soreness from that injury, and LeBron James is dealing with left ankle soreness. So what this sounds like to me is uh, the Lakers are gearing up to have LeBron try to break the record um, in a game that I guess that that's more attractive, if you will. You've got the the he's not going to miss that game at, at MSG on on Tuesday, so he'll play in that game on Tuesday. Uh, then you've got the Pacers after that, the Pelicans, and then you're home for the Thunder. So you would love for him to at least try to break that record at home in L- in L A against the Thunder or against the Bucks, and then they got the Warriors after that. So. No LeBron, no Anthony Davis in that game tomorrow against the Nets. So that favors the Nets. That's a game that they they should be able to go out there and win. That's a game that they should be be able to go out there and win. And if we're keeping tabs on, you know, what's going on with uh, how many points LeBron needs to pass Kareem, it's down to, what is it, 100? Hmm. I just had it. 117 points away from passing Kareem. 117 points. But yeah, we'll continue to keep you posted on all things football, some basketball as well, right here on 9870 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN.